0: I mean, these guys should be dead. Honestly, yes, like all of the things that happened to them. One of them did die. Yeah, for two
1: minutes. (laughs) The amount of drugs is just—it blows my mind.
0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. And I'm Allison. And today we have another special guest with us. We have uh, Tanya Jackshaw from Compliance. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited about this. Thank you for joining us. We uh, decided to have Tanya on this episode because, as we mentioned in our last episode, this week we watched Netflix's The Dirt. It came out on March 18th, so it's been out for about three weeks. Allison and I were born in the 90s. I'm sure we've mentioned that before. So, watching this was a very interesting experience for us because we did not grow up on this music. No. And I personally didn't know anything about this band like I didn't th- I didn't go into it thinking like I know who Motley Crue is like I just kind of knew their songs but I didn't really know who they were and so this was an experience for me I learned a lot
2: as did I and when we were talking about it Rich mentioned that uh, Tanya was a big hairband fan <laughs> and Tanya knows a lot about Motley Crue and about a lot of the hair bands of this time
1: so that's why we invited her on yeah. here She's a big fan. I'm a 60s baby. I graduated high school in
0: 1986. It's <laughs> a so perfect time, right, when yeah. they were big. So yeah. um, I'm trying to think of, like, what bands were big when I was in high school. Like, Panic at the Disco, which is still a big band. <laughs> I can't even,
2: na- like, think about what music I listened to in high school. It yeah. was, like, my, I guess our version of, like, what punk rock would be. I feel like this is kind of, like metal punk rock like a little more like aggressive than maybe what would be considered like popular music but right. motley Crue, yeah it's very like rough
0: yeah i don't think there's like one band now or even when we were in high school that was like motley Crue. i feel like there's a lot i mean they've definitely i feel been a uh influence on a lot of bands today um, but there's no one like them now. No. I don't think at all. No, no, not at all. Not even like their personalities, like not just the music, but like how crazy these guys were. And I, I don't hear any, anything about anybody doing mm-hmm. stuff like they did. No. no and no. that's really
1: all you heard about the hair bands was their exploits off the stage.
0: All the crazy stuff they did. Yeah. Who was the first person to throw a TV out the window of like a <laughs> hotel room? I wonder.
1: Like, you know, I... Didn't the Stones or the Who do that, like, back in the 60s? Probably. I think that's when that started. It's crazy. I think that
2: I feel like Motley Crue kind of set the precedent for a lot of bands and artists, even today, who think they can just do those kind of things at hotel rooms, you know, go to go to hotels or go to clubs and, like, trash everything and just, you know, like, throw money at them and say, oh, well, whatever, I'm a rock star or I'm a superstar, I'm going to do whatever I want because of my status. I feel like, I mean, there certainly weren't musical artists of this caliber who did things like that. Even stars like Michael Jackson didn't didn't do things no. like.
1: Only babies. He would only hold babies over the edge of the building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not actually
0: <laughs> drawing them. Yeah. But, I mean, these guys should be dead, honestly. Yes, Like they all should. of mm-hmm. the things that happened One to them. One of them did die. Yeah, for two minutes. <laughs> the amount of drugs. Yeah. <sighs> Is just, it blows my mind. And like now, like there are so many overdoses, accidental overdoses, or even suicides Mm -hmm. of of big uh, names in music these days, which there still were at the time, you know, like the 27 Club, all the artists that died at age 27. But really, it is amazing that these guys are still alive, even today. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) it's incredible. But let's just kind of get into the plot of the biopic. Hopefully, you've seen it by now, but if you haven't, we're just gonna put a little content warning out there. Uh, Netflix is pretty, uh, pretty open with what they allow as far as uh, nudity mm-hmm. and uh, language. For sure, there is a lot of nudity, a lot of drug references, uh, adult situations, yeah, <laughs> in yep. the extreme. So, yep. So, and I'm sure, like, if you again, if you listened to Molly Crew, if you knew who they were. This is probably exactly what you'd expect. But if you are like Allison and I, who had no idea what to expect, uh, just a little warning for you.
2: I have watched a lot of shows on Netflix, and I have not seen anything with this much nudity or this language or shock value. Yeah. Oh, shocking. I mean, the
0: first scene.
2: Shocking. (laughs) so i guess spoilers on that i suppose about how um crazy it is so don't make sure your kids are asleep if you've got
0: kids yes yeah (laughs) i watched this a few nights ago and i was like i don't know if i'm gonna have time to watch it before you know we were scheduled to record this maybe i can watch it at work (laughs) and i'm really glad i didn't
2: (laughs) (laughs) i was watching it in my living room and i live in an apartment and I was, like, turning it down because I was like, oh, my God, are my neighbors going to hear this? This is so <laughs> weird. Um, but, yeah, we'll we'll get into the plot. So, um, it opens with Frank Carlton Ferrana Jr., a.k.a. Nikki Six mm-hmm. and he's at home and he it's kind of like he's narrating the scene of when he's a kid he talks about how his father left him and his mom has a slew of boyfriends slash stepdads who kind of abuse him and she doesn't really care anything about him. No. Um, they show a guy like smacking him across the face he you know falls to the floor And um, he kind of dives into music. He's in his room. He's playing music. His mom, stepdad come in. You know, he's arguing with them or whatever. And um, he ends up getting into a really big fight with his mom and takes out a knife and cuts his arm, Mm -hmm. which, holy cow. He then calls the police, tells the police that his mom is the one who assaulted him. And they sit down and explain to him, you know, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And he essentially tells his mom, like, screw you, I'm leaving. And um, he changes his name legally from Frank Carlton Verana Jr. to Nikki Six. And then we kind of fast forward to him in another band playing at their venue, Whiskey A Mm -hmm. Go-Go. That's kind of like their... uh, their home base kind of where they started playing all their
0: different playing all their different shows right and we don't really know gosh how old were they when they started the band were they all in like their like early 20s
2: yes early 20s except for McMars was older Who was older yep and he they called him like the old man and the actor who plays Mick Mars is Iwan Rheon, who plays Ramsey in Game of Thrones. He
0: was also in Misfits.
2: Yes. Um, Machine Gun Kelly
0: plays Tommy Lee. Which I didn't know until like halfway through the movie. I He's like a chameleon. He
1: channels Tommy Lee. uh It's
0: amazing. And it's uh,
2: weird to see him without all of his tattoos because he is totally like bare-fleshed, essentially. But um, Nikki and um tommy they know each other and they start recruiting people to be in a band they um know the lead singer um vince neal vince neal sorry i'm
1: the worst that's no that's okay (laughs) tommy and vince went to high school together right yeah
2: tommy and vince went to high school together and in the movie they show vince as a singer for a cover band and they're kind of like Nikki's like, oh, whatever, he sucks, cover band. They see that, you know, all these girls are fawning over him, and they want him to come and kind of, like, audition for their band and sing sing some of their lyrics. And what is this, an apartment that they're in? I can't imagine. (laughs) Were you just thinking that the whole time? (laughs) Yes, I was like, how'd they get away with this, having, like, this rock band practice in an apartment? I mean, I get angry when my... Neighbors like walk around at 10 p.m. at night. I can't imagine having a rock
0: band. It was earlier in the day. Maybe most people are at work. Yeah. Maybe. Who
2: knows? Who yeah. knows? Mick Mars. He saw a an ad in the paper that said "loud, rude, and aggressive guitar player available." Is what he said. Um, and they hooked up together. Uh, Tommy Lee and Nikki Six hooked up with Mick Mars, and they called him the old man because he had some. Um,
0: he was
1: older, and then he had ankylosing spondylitis. Yeah, is some bone disorder. Progressive, yeah. Yeah,
0: just a degenerative disorder. His bones are basically just like falling apart, which like is amazing. All these guys are still alive today, and he can still like walk and stand. It's incredible.
2: Mm-hmm. And um, you know, then they they get the band together. There, they they show the scene where they're trying to figure out a name for the band, and they want to name it x mass like x m a s s like christmas and they're like what the heck and then somehow somebody remembered the um calling another band a uh, a motley looking crew so he writes down motley crew they change some of the words how this how it's spelled and that's where they come up with the name motley crew and the stylized with the, Mm -hmm. I don't know what the two Um, umlaut, yeah, the umlauts over that, so
0: yeah. And then they have their first show, which... This is one of the things that supposedly was way different than what happened in real life. Their first show, they're like really nervous, like they are really unsure of themselves and the audience is like booing them and one of the guys like spits on Vince's like leather pants that he's like obsessed with and then they start this fight. And then after the fight, the rest of the crowd, there's just like this guy in the back that's just like, yeah, Motley grew, And then they all like start tearing and then they end up playing the show and it's great. But supposedly in real life, they're first show was actually like really well you know well received and they did a good job. Like it was actually a lot more people in the audience than uh the movie showed and nobody was booing and they were like, yeah we got this. So that was one little slight difference. But from there it just kind of like speeds through their their rise to fame. They uh get a manager and um I guess the guy that's in the movie wasn't as big of a role as their manager as, honestly, I don't know what his name is. Their, like, other manager. He was more of a role. And they even say in the movie, like, sorry, he was cut from the movie. And he literally, like, evaporates in one of the scenes.
2: Alan Kaufman. Yes.
0: And then they get an agent or sign a record deal with, uh, God, what's
2: his name? Pete Davidson's character. Yeah. <laughs> with uh, um, Electra. Right? Electra.
0: And that was so funny to me when I saw Pete Davidson. <laughs> if you don't know who he is, he's uh, big on SNL. He's kind of a controversial celebrity, I would say, um, but pretty funny uh, regardless. So I thought that was funny that he was he was in it.
2: They portray his character as kind of a square. Like he's wearing this striped polo shirt. He's all like, oh, hey guys, how's it going? And um, just like a huge <laughs> dork and he's hanging out with these you know rock stars crazy that are doing drugs and you know having sex with girls all the time and being crazy and he's like this like boring guy like this like kind of executive guy that they yeah. are spending a lot of time with
0: yep and uh honestly from there uh it's it really doesn't slow down there's a scene where they're on tour with Ozzy Osbourne, which again, for me, as a '90s baby, I don't remember Ozzy with blonde hair. So when they show this guy who actually kind of looks like him, it was pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Um, they show this like blonde British guy. I'm like, who is this? And it's, it's Ozzy. <laughs> and there's a pretty disgusting pool scene where he uh, has like money like in his like butt crack, trying to like get these old people to grab him, and like all these people are like, Ugh, and like leave the pool and. There's like a urination scene, which is apparently actually happened. Oh, um, yeah, this part's kind of gross, but uh, but that's that's kinda, that's who they were, and that's who Ozzy is. Like that's, he's like this is the guy that bit the head off of a bat. You know, like you can't really expect anything less than that.
1: He didn't expect that to be a live bat. He didn't <laughs> he didn't realize it was, and then he bit wow. the head off of it and became like legend for that.
0: Right. And now you, I just, you know, like, especially for people our age or younger, you know, uh, this is so funny. My husband's coworker like, there was a song on the radio. They were driving to a job and it wasn't an Aussie song, but he was featured on it. And my husband, Jake's like, oh, yeah, like, I love this song. And he's like, who is this? Which is, like, funny because people are, like, already starting to, like, not know who these bands are. But also, I just think of, you know, the Osbournes, the reality show with this, like, very, like, tame Ozzy Osbourne. Like, after he did all this stuff.
2: That's how I first came to know Ozzy was from, like, the Osbournes. And then, like, shortly after, Crazy Train is, like, the only Ozzy song that I really, really know, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. And from... From there, the movie kind of goes into different plots of um, them being on tour. Uh, They go through uh, Tommy Lee's wedding to uh, Heather Locklear. Which which I also didn't know about. No, (laughs) I didn't know that they were married. I didn't know that. (laughs) And like all the crazy things that they did while they were on tour, on the tour bus. Um, You know, when he gets addicted to heroin. Yes all these crazy things. There is one scene where they are at a party at, I think it's Tommy's house in Redondo beach where he, I think that's where he meets Heather Locklear. Yeah. And then, um, Vince and, um, Razzle from Hanoi rocks. They go out to go get more booze and they're obviously drunk and probably on some drugs and, uh, they get into a car accident and Razzle dies, and
0: Vince only gets 30 days in jail for that. 30 days, which, which he, is only, insane.
2: he only serves 19 days, and I think they said that he paid like a 2.5 million dollar fine restitution or something of like that, oh, and it's crazy to think that vehicular manslaughter I'm guessing that's what he got charged with in driving under the influence that he would only get
0: that much jail time right it's amazing what you can buy with that much money and that much fame but after that the band is kind of starting to fall apart um and I think at that time Vince is the only one that's relatively sober after that he kind of I mean he's like literally he shows up to the studio and they offer him like a bump and he's like, oh, you guys, I just got out of jail. And then he does it. But and like,
2: he thinks it's cocaine, but it's actually heroin. Yeah. And it makes him sick in the movie. And then they kind of all, am I right in saying that they all go on like a, they all go and get sober? Or is that later? Sorry.
0: I think it's a little bit later, but I mean, like they all kind of go through their own personal traumas. Like Tommy Lee, like he was actually engaged to some other woman before uh, Heather and uh, she, like, kept calling his mom oh, a c word. One. So that breaks off, and then he and Heather start having issues. There's a scene where he's like, "You know what the you know the average day in the life of a rock star is like," and he talks about how he like wakes up at five p.m. and then just gets drunk and high, and then they do the show, and then he cheats on his. Fiance with all these different women. They go to strip clubs and they get more and more drunk. And then his manager has to like handcuff him to his bed mm-hmm. and then he just do it all over again the next day. So, like, he has his own problems. Um, Nikki yep. is addicted to heroin. He actually overdoses and dies for like two minutes and they bring him back to life. And then, and, like, literally as soon as he gets out of the hospital, he shoots up again. Mm-hmm.
2: They said that the paramedic who brought him back to life in the back of the ambulance was a huge fan of the band and they show this in the in the movie they're like this is nikki six i'm not gonna let him die and they shoot him and there he um gives him two shots of adrenaline like right in the heart the first one doesn't work and then the second one does and it was all because like the paramedic was a huge fan
0: yeah they were of. gonna call the time of death and, and everything
1: and because they were with slash from guns N' roses and Slash's girlfriend gave him cpr until the ambulance got there
0: Yeah, it is a miracle that 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 guy lived, for sure. Miracle. And Vince, um, he actually, I don't know if they ever got married, but he did have a baby with a woman, and um, they were together, and actually, did they get married? Yeah, they were. They were married. And then I'm assuming they got divorced. Um, There's a scene where she kind of is, you know, walking away with their daughter, like she only got to have a little bit of time with her dad, and she gets some rare form of stomach cancer and dies. And this is after, um, there's a point in the movie, and I guess a point in real life, where where they are thinking about replacing Vince because he just doesn't seem like he cares anymore, like he doesn't show up to the studio, like he just doesn't really want to be there. And he complains a lot throughout the movie, like, oh, these songs are terrible, this album's going to be so bad, like, just doesn't really seem like he cares anymore. So they kind of kick him out and replace him with some other guy who obviously doesn't do well. And this is true, like their first show with this new singer, like only sold what like 4,000 tickets in a 15,000 uh seat arena, which for a band that big at the time is sad. Yeah. And um so Vince is kind of dealing with all that, dealing with the loss of his daughter. In the movie they show him as just kind of like, you know, bumming it at the bar and Allison had mentioned a little bit earlier that they did all try to get sober for a while but they all kind of slipped in their own way a little bit but in real life Vince actually did have a little bit of a solo career during that time but then they all kind of reunite and then you know they continued to tour for another what like 30 years Mm -hmm. after that
2: they all get sober and, um, well, I'm backtracking a little bit before, um, Vince finds out that his daughter is sick. You know, they all get sober and they come out with Dr. Feelgood and they yeah. go on that long tour. That's like a year and a half. I was looking at, you know, they, sh- they kind of flashed some of the dates. They were in Nebraska. I couldn't see if it was Omaha. I tried
0: looking for Nebraska. <laughs> I
2: saw it and I saw like Ames, Iowa on there and they had, Like, they played multiple shows in even countries like Germany and Spain. I mean, it was a year and a half. And I think, you know, Vince, and they show it in the movie, you know, Tommy tries to call to chat with Heather, and she's never available. And Vince obviously doesn't see his young daughter for a really long time, and that really took a toll on the band. And so, I mean, I can't imagine Vince, like, you know, he misses a year and a half of his four-year-old daughter's life, and then she dies. Yeah, That's got to be, awful
0: and then Mick has like hip surgery because again he has this this bone disease and Tanya was telling us when we were talking about this off mic that uh in the movie he just kind of like rolls out of the hospital and he's totally fine but it like took a lot out of him in real life it you know it took a long time to recover from that but but that's basically there's a lot that happens in this movie and honestly like I just watched it but I feel like I There's so many things like we didn't even talk about just now, or things that we missed, or things that I forgot because it's probably the span of like at least 10 years Mm -hmm. in this hour and 48 minute long movie. Let's just kind of talk about the band. Let's just kind of talk about Motley Crue. Like, I feel like everyone, depending on your age, if you're Allison and I's age, um, I, you know, we consider this like. You know like our music our parents listen to or like mm-hmm. like I know my mom's a big fan and um actually I know a few people my age like one of my old friends from one of my old jobs said that Molly Cruz's favorite band of all time but he's kind of an old man at heart <laughs> 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 he, he is though but um but but yeah I mean again watching this movie for me I learned a lot of things I didn't want to know about this band Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Like, all the things. And, like, after the fact, I would watch these videos and, like, I wanted to learn more, like, what didn't this movie tell? And if you didn't know, it is based on their memoir that the four members wrote together. And they were producers on this movie. So, I mean, they, it's, I would say, fairly accurate on what actually happened. Again, there's a few things that were a little different. Like, they completely cut out Pamela Anderson, who Tommy married after he and Heather got divorced. Mm-hmm. A couple other things, like, they had... Um, a different lead singer like they actually tried out a couple different lead singers before they landed Vince Um, again with him having his you know solo career things like that but for the most part it was it was pretty accurate
2: I think it's really um interesting that you know not only was the band producers on it but the director is Jeff Tremaine And he is responsible for the entire, like, jackass franchise. Like, Bam Margera and all those guys. I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense because they did a lot of dumb and stupid (laughs) weird weird (laughs) shit on TV for so long. So of course, Jeff would push the envelope. But it all makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm sure that, I mean, Tanya, you watching this, like, it doesn't come as a surprise to you. Like, what?
1: what they did no you heard about their exploits constantly when it was all going on it was like a soap opera so how did they report this was it like the radio that talked about it the newspapers magazines it was um mtv back when mtv you know first started it was music videos and music news all day long they didn't have any original shows it was it was nothing but news and videos and so this was also in the days of like Tiger Beat and stuff like yeah. that, like mm-hmm. our little teen magazines and stuff, you know, that's where we got our information. And then, you know, back in those days too, I think a lot of people, because this was the big music, this was the genre, people listened to the, like the rock stations. They didn't, like the pop stations, there was kind of two. You mm-hmm. were either like listening to the pop or you listen to the rock. And I listened to the rock stations and they would say all this stuff all the time. It was just... Did you ever get to see
0: them when they were like in their prime? No, no.
1: I I was in Vegas once and I was walking down a hall in the Hard Rock and Vince Neil came walking down the hall with a (gasps) lanky, tall, gorgeous blonde, two on, you know, one on each side, holding each of his arms, just cruising through the Hard Rock.
0: That is so cool though. And then (laughs) a
1: a friend of mine who is a super talented guitar player here in town um, was again at the Hard Rock and he saw Nikki Sixx standing there and a fan was just talking to him nonstop, just would not stop. And my friend kind of looks over at him and Nikki kind of looked at him like, I'm dying here. <laughs> and so my friend walks up, Jack walks up to him and says, hey, six man, how's it going? You know, like he knew him. And so that gave Nikki an outlet like to say, hey, hey, got to talk to this guy, you know, get to meet you and everything and got that pesky fan out. <laughs> and then he, then he talked to my friend for quite a while about music and stuff, just like the nicest guy. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's so cool
2: and it's strange because I mean 30 years ago like I look at Justin Bieber's Instagram every day and I'm like (laughs) Justin I know you everything about you I love you but like it rock stars like that were so inaccessible because I mean exactly all all you do is see him on tv or you heard about him on the radio but to see him in real life and any perspective like with that close of a perspective has got to be like oh my gosh I get like I would pass
1: out if I saw somebody like that larger than life.
0: When I was in middle school and like, I still like this band to this day, but I was obsessed with green day. And, um, this was before Instagram, Facebook, Twitter were like, all these guys have these accounts now. And so I'll, you know, be going through my Instagram feed and like literally today I saw, um, the drummer, Trey cool. He just had a baby with his wife and, um, the lead singer, Billy Joe is like, playing with a baby and there's a cute little video and it's like that didn't exist like back then so Mm. we feel so connected to these celebrities now like we know what their life is like we know what they're doing they share things with us that they didn't before um you know on a more personal intimate level but like back in middle school like I was like trying to find their MySpace account or (laughs) like or like their Zanga like oh I hope they have one like it was so like it felt so real when you found like a personal account of mm-hmm. of a celebrity and now like everyone has Instagram like if you're if you're a big name in pop culture you have an Instagram mm-hmm. or a Facebook page even if you don't run it like somebody does posting mm-hmm. things about what you're doing and it's it's just amazing that you know the difference and how and how musicians connect with their fans now. Mm-hmm. I think it lends
2: 30 years ago it lends a lot to how they were able to do all the things that they did you know trash hotels or have so many groupies you know tommy lee and heather locklear uh break up because tommy gets spotted with a porn star and you know they he got caught by the paparazzi but like uh i think about like chloe kardashian and tristan thompson some random person videoed him with another girl like you know it would be so hard to get away with all the things they did, including, like, the drugs and and all the debauchery mm-hmm. that went on behind mm-hmm. behind the scenes because, A, it's just hearsay, and so there's no, like, video evidence, and, you know, there wasn't the internet, so news didn't spread nearly as quickly. I'm sure there are thousands and thousands of people who have personal stories about you, like how you saw Vince. I'm sure there's so many people that have stories like that, too, mm-hmm. and... The fact that they were they traveled all over the world i don't think many artists even
1: today do huge world tours like that right it's you know that's another thing i kind of forgot about was about how we got our news was rolling stone Mm -hmm. and with you mentioning you know how now they have instagram they have twitter they have we have instant access to them all the time and i think that's really i mean contributed to the decline of print
0: yep yeah, for
1: sure. And Rolling Stone's still around, but it isn't your sole source anymore.
0: Right, right. I mean, I actually have like a, uh, um, oh gosh, I don't even know what you would call it, like a special edition of uh, Spin Magazine, Spin. Mm-hmm. which is also um, like a music magazine, and it's a bunch of bands from the 90s, which again, as you know, I love the 90s, but it talks about, I mean, like Green Day's in their whole outcast um I'm trying to think I actually still have it because I love it so much. And it talks about like it's interviews with these artists and talking about like their biggest album and talking about like what they were doing now. And this was like, you know, 13 years ago when I got this magazine. But, um, but yeah, like it's now, you know, we just know what's going on with people and two like, and I love memoirs. I will read if I like a celebrity, I will read their book because again, I love to know what is, you know, what they're doing. Um, but back then, like, they, that wasn't really a thing. But now, you know, somebody's famous for five years and they'll have a book out. Even if it's not about them, it could be a cookbook mm-hmm. or it could be a how-to or, an ins- you know, a, a, what's the word? Like, self, like, like a pop. Self-help? Or yeah, what? self-help book, yep. Mm-hmm. Things like that.
2: Yeah, artists today are creating so much more content Uh, on their own. I think about Ariana Grande. She is on a huge tour right now across the US and she posts like on her Instagram story every day or her regular Instagram or Twitter, all this stuff. Everyone knows everything that's going on Um, and it doesn't, um, like when I go to shows, I don't look up the set lists. Like I like to be surprised and I think like how amazing it must have been To be able to go to a show like Motley Crue, never seen them live, even maybe just a video or a music video of them performing on TV that you can only watch when it's on TV. You can't like look it up on YouTube and watch it 100 times. But like the star factor that they have because they're so inaccessible has to be like, I can't even imagine who
0: who would be like that today. And like even just going to concerts, I feel like is a lot. I mean, there's so many bands that I've seen now, like big names because, you know, we have the, you know, the community for it and we also have the venues for it. And I feel like, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like bands travel a lot better now than they did before. Not that they didn't tour, but I feel like it's a lot easier to see your favorite band now than it was before. And especially like buying tickets, like back in the day you had to like wait in line. Oh yeah. Like overnight, like now it's just, oh, I can go online and buy them. Like cut cut's cool. Yep. You
1: buy concert tickets. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know,
2: what's really amazing about Motley Crue is they were kind of the ones who really started the big hairband movement. I mean, they were like the first ones to really go out there and do it in the early 80s. I mean, you mentioned um, when we talked about Def Leppard mm-hmm. and there's so many other bands. Van Halen,
0: Kiss,
1: yeah, that uh, came, Cheap Trick. Van Halen actually was before them. Mm-hmm. They 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 were super major pioneers too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just turned everything on its head.
2: And mm-hmm. even um, we were talking about yesterday, like Bon Jovi <laughs> was a major hair band dude. He had like the long hair, and he was a crazy rock star. And I only know Bon Jovi is like uh, living on a prayer. But to me, that's not like this deep metal music. But
1: right.
2: um, the way that they just like performed even their outfits like nobody really does that today like they had the painted faces they had the crazy hair and the insane costumes and they showed um I liked at the end when they did the credits they show side-by-side comparisons I loved Mm -hmm.
1: that
2: of you know the scenes from the movies and then in real life how they had you know the girls on stage behind like a gate essentially and For they one were, of the music videos yeah it was just it was so cool um and they like they really put on a huge show they weren't just like you know um whatever your opinion is on some artists but some they just show up and they're just wearing like a t-shirt and jeans like yeah that's cool if whatever you're comfortable in but a lot of like pop stars i think about like Katy perry or Um, Taylor Swift or Lady Gaga that they put so much into their costumes and they really make it like a Grammy Grammy worthy performance and
0: um, Motley Crue totally just did that all the time yeah it's just like that was their stage presence and like the spinning like ball that Tommy Lee was in playing drums like that's incredible like Mm -hmm. I have never seen anything like that and like the pyrotechnics that they had which, you know, people still use, but I, I just feel like there was a lot more. And you're right, you know, like, not to throw any artists under the bus here, but, like, Ed Sheeran just, like, shows up on stage wearing sneakers and, you know, brings like yeah. his guitar, which, you know, if you're talented enough and you have the fan base, like, no one really cares. But it's just amazing to see, you know, the difference in how different artists today and in the past, like, how they, how they put on a show. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of sad that you know, Motley Crue doesn't tour anymore. Like it said in the movie, their last tour was 2015. Like that was their last show. Mm-hmm. And who knows? You know, there's all these artists that say like my farewell tour, and then they come back. So, <laughs> so who knows? I mean, I think Elton John is on his like fourth farewell tour right now, or oh, something. Oh, Phil
2: Collins's Sharon tour is. I gonna... actually
0: really want to see that. Still,
2: <laughs> not dead yet still not dead yet or still not dead yet or something <laughs> yeah Cher's coming to i know Cher's
1: gonna be in town like next week or something <gasps> what is Cher on like her 20th oh i mean farewell
0: and Cher's like what 70 she's oh, old she but she like kills it my cousin lives in la and he was he just saw her like last weekend and he was snapchatting you know the whole thing and like she looks great she sounds great like these i can't even imagine like I, at like 50 i'd be like i'm done You can just listen to my albums. I'm good. I know. It's crazy. At this point in the show, we are going to go over our rating for the biopic. Um, We go on a five-star scale. For me, I'm going to have to give this a three out of five. And my reason for that is while... um, I mean you know, nudity and the graphic content and the vulgarity aside, I thought this story was kind of sloppy. I thought there was way too much that happened. And I wish that like there were some moments like especially Vince's daughter dying, I thought were just kind of glossed over like there wasn't really much time to kind of like go into that. Um, Mm -hmm. There were just some bigger moments that and I talked about Tommy Lee's like first fiance, how he like punches her in the face. And He's just like, oh, you shouldn't have called my mom that. And then it was just like over. Mm -hmm. I wish there was more into that because supposedly Tommy has had a history of being abusive to his wives. So kind of wish they'd gotten to that a little bit more. Um, But. I read somewhere in a review, somebody had suggested, I wish this was a series, maybe not a movie. I feel like we could have gotten to learn more. So I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but there definitely could have been more time But I mean, this movie, again, is less than two hours long. Could have been a little longer to spend a little bit more time explaining some things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think the storytelling, I did like the narration, but sometimes I didn't know who was talking. So, yeah. I'm like, which character is narrating right now? I don't know. <laughs> or which band member is narrating. So, overall, yeah, three out of five for me.
2: So, my perception of it is I thought um, I did really like um, some of the actors that they chose. I thought Machine Gun Kelly was a great oh, yeah. choice for Tommy Lee. It was hard for me to see... Um, Iwan Rion who plays Ramsay in Game of Thrones as somebody in there I just think like I'm so used to his face it was so foreign for me to see him in that role so I think that's just like my personal personal thing um but I didn't know a ton about Motley Crue before watching this and I thought the um I, I agree the story was kind of all over the place at sometimes I'm like wait what's going on where are we you know all those different things i didn't think i will say the scene with um vince's daughter it made me like super emotional oh god. um yes. and the little girl who played vince's daughter was so good like i teared up and i cried me too, everything me too. i was like oh my god this is so sad and um you know i think having like elements of stuff like that that like brings you back down and it makes him makes you feel like okay this This person that's just in this amazing band is actually human. So I did like that they included that, but there are some things I think they left out. Um, And the nudity and some of the violence and the drugs was like kind of off putting for me personally. I just, I guess I didn't know to expect that, but um, overall, I thought it was, you know, decent portrayal.
1: I'm gonna give it a two out of five overall okay this is so interesting to me this perspective (laughs) because i'm 51 and none of it was a surprise to me
0: you can't see tanya but she does not look 51 by the way
1: thank you that is very kind (laughs) of you um but to me it was so representative of how that time really felt um the movie is all over the place and it's, it's very frenetic and chaotic, but that time was like that. The Mm -hmm. eighties were like that. And those bands, like we were talking about, you just don't really hear about that crazy kind of behavior now. I mean, there are bands that are kind of getting back into the rock and roll, like pretty reckless, Mm -hmm. um, Greta von Fleet. Yep. Love those bands, but they'll never be, to me, they're knockoffs. They'll, there will never be bands like those were again. Mm -hmm. And that's my age talking because everybody's just like so nostalgic about their own time. Mm -hmm. But um, I just thought it captured that time and how we perceive those bands
0: so well. So for me, it was like a four, for sure. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and see, that was why we wanted Tanya on this episode with us for that different perspective. Because I don't really think it's fair for again two '90s kids to review a movie about a band from the '80s. Yeah, it would
2: just it would be just like if we had you sit in and watch a film on like
1: Panic at the Disco or Green Day, you'd probably be like, Oh, oh no, work. Green Day was right in my wheelhouse too. But Panic at the Disco, like, yeah, I mean, I, I I'm aware of who people are, but I'm getting to the age where I'm like. I don't even know. I remember my mom saying, I don't even know who these people are. <laughs> and just having no idea about pop culture and thinking, oh, you're just a dinosaur. Like, and now I'm that dinosaur. <laughs> no, not I, at all. But it's really I feel that I, way too. I kind of care less and less. And I think that's why people get so like stodgy and I don't want to take in anything new. I just want to listen to my oldies. Mm-hmm. Right. You know?
0: which I can be like that sometimes but I'm trying to branch out when at the end of the year at the end of 2018 my Spotify gave me like my like top you know songs that I listened to and it was all 90s 2000s music and I'm like I need to branch out a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> I need to listen to some new stuff. So so that's definitely something we should all do.
2: But I think, Tanya, your perspective, anybody who is or was a fan of Motley Crue, especially in the time when it was really happening in the 80s, is really going to love this movie because yeah. you yes. remember things like Nikki Six being declared dead and then coming back to life. You remember things like Vince dropping out of the band or... Um, mick having to have surgery like those were huge huge things and seeing it portrayed um and seeing the other side of the coin it, i'm sure it was like really awesome for you to be able to see
1: that and other it fans was. of
2: motley Crue are gonna feel that way too yeah
1: i think uh, yeah the older you are i think the more you're gonna like it, it just, yeah it's relatable if you're a certain age and probably educational if you're
0: younger <laughs> oh yeah like, like i said i learned a lot <laughs> Me Me too. very very educational and entertaining <laughs> Um, yeah, so if you haven't had a chance to see the dirt yet, it is on Netflix. It is now streaming. Atlas now streaming. That's the name of the podcast. Um, so make sure you give it a watch and let us know what you think. We always want to know what you guys think of what of what we review and what we talk about. Um, and especially again, if you grew up in that time, we would love to know your perspective of what you thought of this. Um, as we said in our last episode, we were giving away uh, two movie tickets to either the movie Us or a movie of your choice. Um, we did put the winner in the video description so make sure you check that out if that person is you congratulations um and we'll have to do that again when another you know big movie comes out but until then honestly we're always open to new uh suggestions from people so if you guys have any suggestions for us anything on netflix hulu amazon any streaming device that you want us to talk about movie documentary television show or otherwise just let us know and we'll put it on our list but until then You guys have a great day and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.